Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I am Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically or homeschool moms. I hope you'll check those out. You can go to DorendaWilson.com. You can also go to Amazon to find any of those three books. And you can go to any of your favorite booksellers in addition to those two other places to find the four-hour school day. Um, I am really thankful that you are here today. Um, I am going to be continuing my uh, conversation on the topic of homeschooling with littles. In the last episode, I talked about how, um, why it was possible to do it. Um, Because I think that so many moms have this idea that if you've got little ones, especially if you have a whole bunch of little ones, that it's impossible to homeschool. And it simply isn't. And so I talk about why it's possible in the last podcast, because it requires some some changing, uh, changes in our thinking. Um, and that's that's probably where the shift happens, you know, um, is once we have a different mentality about what we're doing with our kids when it comes to homeschooling with littles, um, I think it makes all the difference in the world. And I'll be talking a little bit more about this in this episode, but our, my main focus is going to be ways to make it work. Um, But before I do that, um, I know that many moms, many homeschooling moms struggle with teaching their kids math. I was one of those moms and still am one of those moms after all these years. But, uh, you know, it could be possible that you're looking for a new math curriculum. I want to let you know that CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning. And if we've learned nothing as homeschooling moms, we know that that's important. Creative graphics and animations synchronized with the friendly voice of internationally acclaimed teacher Pat Murray makes learning math easy and effective. Love that. Uh, CTC Math is favorably reviewed um, on Kathy Duffy's 103 top picks and also by the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review. The lessons are short and concise to help your child break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. So visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial. That's ctcmath.com and I will leave a link in the show notes to make it easy for you to get there. All right. So um, before we dive into our topic, um, I want to also encourage you, you you all know that um, our family took a more simple and unhurried approach to homeschooling. And I share all about that in my two books, The Unhurried Homeschooler and The Four-Hour School Day. Um, But sometimes people still wonder, like, what does it look like? I'd like even more details on that. So I have an online mentoring course available, and it's just a series of videos that you can watch and rewatch. And I share with you more details um, about what it looked like for us to take a simple, unhurried approach. And I and I cover all the years from the very early years, preschool years, all the way through to high school. So if you're interested in learning more about that, go to theunhurriedhomeschooler.thinkific.com. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to uh, go check that out as well. All right, so... Um, 
Here we go. Let's, let me get to my notes here. Okay, so I recently got um, an email from a mom who asked if I had any podcasts on how to homeschool with a newborn and a toddler. She said she has boys that will be five and six in um, in the fall, and she'll also have a 17-month-old, and she is due in September with another baby. So she'll have a five-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 17-month-old, and a newborn. Wow. Um, I think a lot of families or a lot of people would look at her and say, no, um, that she can't do this. In fact, she, her own family, I, um, it must be her extended family, thinks homeschooling would be too much. But she says she feels like God is calling her to keep them out of public school. Uh, any suggestions on how to talk to them? So I, I addressed that in the last episode. Um, but I think that she's also asking, like, what can it look like? You know, I'm beginning to doubt myself. Am I crazy for thinking that this can work? But I feel like God is calling me to it. First of all, I always say God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He gives us wisdom along the way. And, but he does a lot. He does that in a lot of different ways. And, and maybe this podcast is one of the ways that he will uh, do that in your own life. But I'm going to go through some, some specific points in explaining ways to make this work. All right. So first of all, we have to change our thinking about what education really is, because I think a lot of us go into it with this conventional idea um, that traditional homeschooling or traditional schooling that we've experienced ourselves in the public school or what we see in the public school is, is the way we educate our kids and that that is education, quote unquote. And it's a really hard thing to undo sometimes. But we we really have to understand that education is about so much more than just book work. All right. It's so much more than just a classroom scenario. I love what John Holt said. He said, it's not that I feel that school is a good idea gone wrong, but a wrong idea from the word go. It is a nutty notion that we can have a place where nothing but learning happens cut off from the rest of life. Doesn't that make sense? And those are the kinds of things that I expound on in my book, The 4-Hour School Day. So The Unhurried Homeschooler is a a short book, um, sort of a very brief synopsis of what it kind of looks like to take a simple unhurried approach towards homeschooling. And the four-hour school day is more about let's step back and let's let's take a flyover of what education actually is. What is it really? The thing that we forget sometimes is that kids are learning all the time. They come to us wanting to learn. Think about it. You get this newborn. And at first they sleep a lot. And then they start staring at us more. And then they start Um, mimicking us. We smile at them. They smile back. We talk to them. They babble back. Eventually, they begin to form words and sentences. And all of this happens in an incredibly natural way. We don't need a curriculum to teach them these things. We teach them these things as we go along. So they come to us wanting to learn They have a natural curiosity. I have always just felt so strongly that it is our job simply not to snuff out that desire by overloading them with, you know, our adult version of education or with book work. 
too soon. And that's one of the reasons that I took that simple, unhurried approach with our kids. So kids are learning all the time. And the one thing that we need to understand, and I said this in the last episode, that family life teaches our kids so, so much. I can't even convey to you everything that my children learned from simply living a a solid family life together. Instead of being fragmented and all of us going our own direction, we worked on building a strong family life. And that alone was a major foundational uh, thing for our our kids. Um, So family life is part of our kids' education, huge part, especially especially in the early years. Um, And I'll explain more uh, in a minute as to why that's true. But you can't separate that. It's not a separate thing. A lot of times the mistake that we make uh, uh, when we're homeschooling with many littles or some littles, we start to see these little ones as an obstacle to our kids' education, maybe our older kids' education. Um, Or even, you know, if we have all littles, we're thinking, oh my goodness, this all these little obstacles that come up throughout the day, having so many little ones, is holding my children back. Moms, nothing could be further from the truth. This is the place. This is the seed, the soil, the place where education actually happens. Our kids are learning from this every single day. Um, And so because of that, and because these early years are really foundational for character building as opposed to a whole bunch of bookwork. We ha- we have to remember that the early years do not need to involve a bunch of curriculum and bookwork. Um, that is a surefire way to completely burn out your children right from the get-go. If you just immediately jump into a whole bunch of bookwork and curriculum you're going to burn your kids out. They're going to hate learning. Um, This is why we took a more uh, unhurried approach. We just sort of built, we started out with a little bit and we slowly added. And by the time they were, you know, second grade, third grade, um, they were doing, you know, a fair amount of work. Um, Again, we did not overload them. So it wasn't, it wasn't um, what some people might picture in terms of the amount of book work, but it was effective and efficient because I was right there with them. As a tutor, I could check their work every single day and make sure that they were staying on track. And I would say that is a key thing right there. Um, Every single day, I would um, sit down with them after they said they were finished with their work. They always had to run it by me first. We went through it really quickly to make sure they were getting all the concepts and they weren't doing loads of work. So it went fairly quickly. And then once that was checked and corrected or whatever, they could go on their way. And they knew that. And it was very motivating to them to do well and to get it done. And I did not grade their work, especially in the early years. Later on, um, my some of my boys asked me to because they were kind of getting to that age where they wanted to know that they were um, measuring up. But it was a decision that they made. And I may do a separate podcast on that. But my point is that homeschooling is efficient and effective because you don't have a whole classroom full of kids that you're dealing with. Yes, you may have a bunch of littles and there may be a lot of little interruptions, but we do our best to stay the course with what God has put in front of us without overloading ourselves. I think that's really, really key. 
So remember that the early years do not need to involve a bunch of curriculum and bookwork. Let me back up here. So first thing in understanding uh, ways to make it work is again, changing our thinking about what education really is. That's number one. Number two, remembering that the early years do not need to involve a bunch of curriculum and bookwork. There are two podcasts that you might want to go back and listen to, and that's Essentials and Early Education, because you might be wondering now why, again, she's not explaining why it doesn't need to involve a bunch of bookwork and curriculum. That podcast will explain why. Um, And the second one that I, I would recommend is called Nurturing Seedlings. And it's the same, talking about that same age group, but it's a Q&A uh, with me answering some common questions that parents would ask about that particular age group and what they actually need during that time. But basically, these early years should be spent mostly working on character. Moms, this is foundational because if your children aren't disciplined, if they don't have self-control, if you haven't taught them to follow directions and insisted that they follow through, that they obey mommy and they and they are kind to their siblings and they, like I said, they have self-control, they're learning follow through. And again, in these years, I feel like most of that happens with other things that happen during the day, not necessarily schoolwork, but chores. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But my point is that we want to be working on character, how to follow directions, teaching right and wrong, leaving time for self-directed play at a certain point in the day, which actually prepares our kids for higher learning. And the reason that this character building is so important is if you want to homeschool for the long haul, you can't have kids that are out of control. It is going to be absolutely miserable for everyone. Not a lot of learning is going to happen. It's going to feel chaotic. So you want to spend these years, these early years, making sure that character formation is happening. And again, that happens in very organic, natural situations. You're going to the grocery store. You say, you know, little Johnny, you need to hold my hand. He doesn't want to hold your hand. Well, guess what? He needs to hold my hand because we are in the parking lot and it's not safe. And we're explaining that to him, but we're also insisting that he obey. We're not going to argue. This isn't up for an argument. We need to establish our authority in our kids' lives. Again, we can't be good homeschooling moms if our kids don't respect us and don't see us as the authority that we are supposed to be in the home. So um, we want to spend this time working on character. Now, what does that actually look like? I explained some of it, but I'll tell you what it's not. It's not glamorous, but it is a long-term investment. It's lots of discipline and lots of repetition, lots of training sessions. And uh, if you want to listen to a really good podcast, I've got a couple of episodes on... um, discipline. One is let's talk about discipline. And the other is let's talk about biblical discipline. So you'll want to check those out. I'm writing down here to to, um, include those in the show notes. Okay. So again, family life is a perfect scenario for building character in our kids. Because I've always told my kids, there is nothing... um, harder actually it's it's the it's the hardest thing to treat our family members well because we live with them all the time 
And so we take them for granted. Our kids do that too. Um, They sometimes treat them like they would not treat any of their friends. And that simply in our home was unacceptable. And so we spent a lot of time talking about that. Hey, you would never talk to your friend Nate like that. Why are you talking to your brother like that? Do you realize that your siblings, your friends are going to come and go. You might have a friend or two that lasts a lifetime, but your siblings are your siblings forever. They're going to be there forever. So you want to, um, you want to, you know, basically you want to encourage your kids to invest in those relationships. And again, that takes time and, the, and family life, like I said, is such a perfect scenario for building character for that very reason. Um, the importance of sibling relationships in the education of our children. Um, I talk about this in my Nurturing Sibling Relationships episodes, and I will leave uh, links in the show notes for that, for those three episodes. But I don't know about you, but I just never imagined when we decided to homeschool that I would spend so much time uh, breaking up fights, refereeing, working through these relationships with my kids. And I finally realized this is not an obstacle to their education. This is part of their education, a huge part of it. And I explain why that is true in, in those podcast episodes. But Essentially, our kids are learning what healthy relationships look like by growing up in the family that they live in. God is sovereign over your family and how he knit you together. And he wants to use exactly the scenario you are scenario that you are already in to prepare your children for their future. So don't ever doubt that. Don't ever take on a guilt trip, but homeschool from where you live. That is such an important thing to remember. I say that all the time and I talk about it in the four-hour school day. Don't try to do something that isn't a good fit for your family or that suck the life out of your family. Now, I'll give you one example is none of our boys were super interested in sports. They might like to watch them, but they didn't really want to play them. And we couldn't because we lived way out in Timbuktu. There was no way we could take them to soccer practice three, four nights a week. We lived 25 minutes from the closest town. And so instead of feeling guilty that we couldn't do that, we recognized that God had placed us exactly where he wanted us. And for whatever reason, our kids weren't supposed to be in sports during those years and and during that season. Now, eventually, when several of our kids graduated, um, we moved from that place into a place in town. And the one kid that really, really wanted to play football um, or a sport actually had the opportunity to do that. And, you know, that that's the thing. If God has something for your children, he will open up the doors at the right time. And if it's not working right now, it's just not working right now. Whether that's the season of life you are in as a family or the particular place that you live, stop feeling guilty for that. God has you right where he wants you. Now, granted, he may move you eventually down the road, but today he has you exactly where he wants you. So instead of being discontent and instead of feeling guilty, let's take advantage of and look at the ways that God wants to use um, where we live to prepare our children for life. So the best way for me to share with you kind of what it looks like to, uh, in terms of ways to make it work is to share something that um, 
that I recently shared on Instagram. And it's kind of like a flyover of um, what I what it looked like for us. And then after that, I'll explain in more detail what it looked like. Okay, so here's the flyover. We have five sons and three daughters. Four of our boys are adults. One apprenticed as a plumber. One is a software engineer for Amazon. One makes custom work boots. And another is self-employed remodeling houses, managing vacation rentals, and editing podcasts. And then our two girl, older girls are wives and moms and homeschooling moms. And our younger daughter works at a coffee shop. And really, it's like a ministry to her. And so it's been so cool to watch the Lord work there as well. But what I love about homeschooling is that we had the freedom to slow down and really enjoy this journey with our kids. As we walked out our days together, we had the opportunity to recognize each other's unique and differing qualities. We had the ability to give each child time and space to find out who they were and what they were good at. This mostly happened through working chores, projects, that kind of thing, working and playing together. Our kids attended some fun classes at a local homeschool organization once a week, but mostly moms, we were home together as a family. Our boys were allowed to be boys. They thrived in our home education environment because they had the freedom to take breaks, to go at their own pace, to be outside, to not be overloaded with book work. Our girls flourished as they spent time doing the things they loved, like baking, writing, drawing, and pursuing their interests in the ways that worked for them. I kept our kids' book work simple enough that they could complete it in the morning and let them expound on the rest of their learning through self-directed time in the afternoon. Essentially, we did what came naturally for our family, and it made our home education enjoyable, effective, and efficient. We weren't trying to be something we weren't. Instead, we only pursued things that breathe life into our family and things that we believed were important as opposed to, you know, conventional ideas about what education was. So moms, at the end of the day, it really comes to um, down to letting God write your family story, having the courage to take your head out of um, all of the expectations and bring your heart before the Lord, your heart for your kids. I remember at one point I asked myself, I was feeling all this pressure, you know, from there's all these different ways we could homeschool and I don't know what's best. And finally, this I prayed about it and this thought just came to my mind. If no one else was going to tell me how to homeschool my kids and fear wasn't part of the picture, what would I really want to do with my kids? And I just periodically went back to that over and over again. Because when I asked myself that question in those moments when I felt fearful and when I felt overwhelmed, I knew immediately what the answer was. And and so it was building relationships with my kids. I want to have long-term relationships with my kids. I want my kids to learn naturally and on their own as much as possible because it's going to be way more efficient if they're excited about it. And I'm not forcing it. Um, I wanted to just be with them. I wanted to enjoy them. And so these were things that I thought, okay, I need to be thinking about that and praying about everything in terms of what I feel like God has laid on my heart for my family in this season. And then, in the, you know, in the next season, I might need to ask myself that question again. But life really does come in seasons. Um, I remember when I had... Um, six kids, nine and under, okay? And I could not seem to get more than three days a week of schoolwork in. 
And we're talking just the mornings, not even, it's not all day schoolwork, just a little bit in the mornings. And it was so challenging. And I remember just being discouraged because I could, I, was, I just need four days a week and I could not seem to get that fourth day done. I was praying about it and it was like the Lord said, can you just be content with three days? Can you just be content with three days? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So I changed my expectation because I, believe me, I had tried and it wasn't working and all I was doing was making myself and my kids miserable. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go for the three days a week because I didn't feel like I could pull away any more of the of what I was doing because I was already doing a very simple plan. Um, but I needed to change my expectations in that particular season and just be okay with three days a week. And you know what? It didn't make a hill of beans difference in my kids' success. <laughs> in fact, I think it actually helped because they were had so much more family life and playtime. And, and those were the years when it was beneficial for them to do that. I remember another time I was wondering, gosh, this simple and hurried approach, I've been taking it for several years. What if this is a complete mistake? Like what if, you know? So I was praying about that. And that story of the loaves and the fishes came to me. And it was like, Remember, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, I want you to feed these 5,000. And they were looking at him like, we don't have the resources for this. There's no way we can do this. He said, bring me what you have. And moms, it was not a lot. What was it? Two fishes and five loaves, or I don't remember, but it was fair. It wasn't going to feed 5,000 people for sure. It was absolutely minuscule. And Jesus prayed over it. And he made it more than enough. And it was like God was reassuring me. He just needed me to do my best and to bring to him what I had and trust him to multiply it. And you know what, moms? He absolutely did. So, okay, I'm going to talk about a little bit about what this looked like for us. Okay, so in terms of what our homeschooling looked like, I'm going to keep it brief because I talk about it in a more deeply in another podcast um, called Our Family Simple Routine. But I'm going to just kind of go through it real quickly. Number one, we had a simple routine so that everyone, so everyone knew what to expect and what was expected of them. Kids had little little charts; they knew what they were supposed to be doing. Um, again, I share that in that podcast episode, which I'll put in the show notes. I worked in blocks of time, and so that's how I chose to do our schedule or our routine was I worked in blocks of time. So I would, instead of saying, oh, at, you know, 7.15, we have to do this. And at 7.30, we have to do this. And, it, you know, I didn't break it down that minuscule into the microscopic. It was going to drive me insane to try to administrate that with that many kids. So we worked in blocks of time. So during this block of time, these are the chores that needed to be done. And then the kids had their chore charts. These are the chores you're doing in this block of time. And then whatever was expected of me. So um, I had a before breakfast block of time, an after breakfast block of time that took us from breakfast to noon, which is when we ended our school time. And except for the older ones, when they were in high school, they went a little bit beyond that. And I talk about that in the four-hour school day. So this... The thing you have to remember with a schedule or a routine is that it should be your servant, not your master, okay? This is so important. I had to tweak that schedule periodically because it was starting to run my life um, or it just, we were in a different season or something had changed. It has to serve your family. Um, so these blocks of time involved directed learning time. 
and self-directed learning time. So essentially um, in the mornings was more directed and in the afternoons was more self-directed. Um, our learning time in the morning with the little ones was very minimal. So um, I'm going to talk about directed learning time just to give you a quick overview of what that looked like for us. I am not an unschooler, so I needed to know that our kids were doing something that I could tangibly see the progress on. And so I decided that we would do, we would just do workbooks at that point. Um, when my kids were that little, we didn't have online things. So that wasn't part of the picture, um, but they did workbooks and we read out loud. And uh, my kindergartners might do zero to 30 minutes for kindergarten. I just didn't feel like it was necessary for them to do any more than that. Again, we tried to, no matter what age they were, except when they got into high school, they needed to be done by noon. Because the truth is that I had other things that I needed to do. And this was a decision that I had to make as a mom with the family that I had been given. If I ended up trying to homeschool all day, it was going to be disastrous with that many little ones. And so I found that noon was just a good cutoff time for me. And so we always just kept it to that. And what it meant for me was that I was going to have to choose to not do formal science or history during that time, during the elementary years. And, you know, at first I felt kind of guilty because it seemed like every time I tried to add that or make it part of our homeschooling, it just wasn't working. But my kids seemed to be, I noticed they seemed to be interested in it on their own here and there. So I decided that would be a self-directed subject during the elementary years, because think about it. How much do you remember from elementary high school or elementary science or history? Only the things you were actually interested in. And I think that that is absolutely the case. We do exposure, exposure, exposure as they're interested and then in high school, I had my kids do more formal, a, a formal curriculum when it came to history and science, and it helped them connect all the dots. So all those, all that exposure they had along the way when they were uh, in elementary school came together when they were in high school and developmentally, their brain was ready to make all those connections. So in elementary school, it was things like, oh, they like to watch Liberty's Kids or documentaries or Kratz Creatures or Magic School Bus. And they learned a lot of science from those. And sometimes that would spur on little tangents of exploring and experimenting and going and getting more books on whatever they learned about on the magic school bus. But we let that be very loose and self-directed. And that was a decision that I had to make as a homeschooling mom because I knew I couldn't do any more than I was doing. So our focus mainly in the elementary years was um, reading, writing, reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's it. And so, you know, in those very early years, um, kindergarten, first grade, writing means oh, we're learning how to make our letters. Oh, now we're learning how to make, how to write sentences, you know? So that would be writing, quote unquote. Other thing I would do is narration. Um, and that has to do with me reading to them and them kind of just telling me back what, what they heard in the story. Um, that can also happen through when they've been playing outside and there's things that have gone on out there and I would ask them, oh, what happened? Oh, and then what happened after that? And then what happened after that? Another way for them to do narration, those are all pre-language skills. And this is the thing we have to recognize is all there are so many ways to learn things. It does not have to happen in books. And I think this is so important to remember in those early years. And this is what makes it possible to homeschool with lots of littles. 
The other thing I've noticed is as my older kids got older, my younger kids were very, very smart because they would learn from the older kids. The older kids would automatically have conversations with them and they would learn new vocabulary words just from having conversations with older kids. And this is the beauty of family life. It's like a mini one-room schoolhouse. And the little ones absorb so much just from hanging out with the older ones. I had kids in kindergarten who were repeating high school science because it was interesting to them. They happened to plop down on the couch next to their brother who's in high school and watching a a biology DVD. And all of a sudden they're repeating all the stuff at the table and at the dinner table. It's amazing. So these are the ways that homeschooling can work with little ones around. Now you can also stream Streamline subjects. Um, you can um, so you can streamline subjects. There are subjects you can do together. You can use unit studies. Um, I have a podcast episode on homeschooling multiple ages with Rebecca Spooner, and I will leave the link in the show notes. You can plan 15 to 20 minute increments where older kids are taking turns entertaining the younger kids while you work with a child that needs some attention. And what I typically would do is like, you know, I would schedule it so that, okay, during this 15 to 20 minutes, this child is going to entertain this other child. Now, a six-year-old can entertain a two-year-old. It's possible. And I would have special toys and games and things that maybe um, either the younger child would choose or the older one would choose that he wanted to do with the younger child to sort of help him own it. Um, And those were just special for just those times. And I kept it to around 15, 20 minute increments because I felt like then I wasn't taking away too much from the older kids' studies. But I was also... um, it was also more doable for that child to entertain that younger one for that amount of time without things going south, if that makes sense. So and we need to remember that having our older ones help with the younger ones is not unfair to them. This is the family that God gave you and them, and he will use it to prepare your children for their future. All right, so the first thing is um, the directed learning time was more of the book part of things and then also chores. So part of education is paying, uh, is our kids learning to pay attention to follow through, um, us checking their work um, in terms of like checking their chores. Don't expect what you're not willing to inspect. And I have a podcast on uh, chores and I'll include that link in the show notes. Um in chores also inver- involve a lot of communication and teamwork. Like I said, following directions, follow through, you know, just self-control. These are all incredibly helpful character building opportunities um, and helping with babies. That's another part of their education. Okay, and this this is not inferior or unimportant work when it comes to taking care of siblings. God's word says we're to care for the weak and the vulnerable. So caring for siblings is a very biblical activity. It's also educational because they're learning how to care for these little ones. Now, all of our kids have always been comfortable with babies and children Um, And it's been a huge blessing when they become adults and specifically parents because some of them have married spouses that weren't really around babies or children and didn't know what to do with them. And so our kids could teach their spouse, oh, this is what's going on. This is what they need. And it's just a huge blessing. It, it, It just brought a sense of calm to their parenting. 
and to their spouse's parenting. All right, so that's that's the uh, directed learning. And the self-directed learning was in the afternoon. And this was after lunch. Um, there was lunch cleanup. And then there was naps and quiet time. And so we did this all the way through high school. I needed just a break from the verbal constant verbal interaction and things going on. And we'd done all the directed learning in the morning. It was just time for a break. So everyone would sort of take a break from each other. That was also a good thing. Um, They all went to their little quiet spaces with their pile of books and they could look at books, they could read, they could rest, but they just needed to be quiet. And that was something that I insisted on. And I'm telling you, it was a sanity saver. And there's people out there who are critical of people who make their kids take a rest. What? Since when do the kids get to be in charge? We do what is best for the family. We get to make that decision as moms. And it is good for our kids to learn to take a break. It's good for them to not be stimulated every moment of the day. They need to learn how to rest well. So this is a good thing, another part of their education. And then after that quiet time, there was play. We had playtime slash independent time. And in the early years, it looked like blanket forts and Play-Doh and, you know, playing outside and riding their bikes and all of that. And then when they got older, it was more time for hobbies and interests. And, and, you know, it just basically felt like play, but they were definitely learning out there, being creative and all of that. And... um. Now, when some of you might be asking about gaming, because uh, we didn't have, there was no gaming going on in the early years, but as uh, the years progressed, gaming became more of a thing and our boys became interested in it. And so when they were older and that sort of, I, I, I kind of put it off as long as I could. And then my husband was like, you know what, I think, I think this might be a good thing. And so um, let's go ahead and let them have a gaming system. So I, we allowed a short time of gaming for the boys. When I say ga- short time, is about 30 minutes each, okay? Um, And it wasn't a cakewalk managing it (laughs) because I was also trying to get them to own it and to have uh, self-control and to understand um, and be aware of when it was becoming a God. And I have a, a, a blog post on that. And so I'll include the link in the show notes. But all that work was definitely worth it because now I've got a son. We have a son in Washington State. We have a son in Denver. And we have three sons um, living where we live. And four of them are out of the house. So they don't necessarily see each other that much. And this gaming is the way that they are staying connected as adults. And so it's been so cool to see their sibling relationships just continue to be nurtured and grow as adults. And it's happening through them being able to connect through gaming. And so I wasn't, I was like, I don't know if this is a good thing or not at the time, but I was just kind of followed my husband's lead and did the best I could to manage it um, and teach our kids how to be responsible. And it's been actually turned out to be a blessing to them as adults. So um, I think one of the things we have to remember, and this is, I'll we'll wrap it up with this, is that you might worry that you're planning enough or doing enough, okay? And I had those times too. And what I found super helpful is, is to just get a journal. And at the end of the day, I would write down everything that we did, not what we planned, but what we actually did. So it was kind of like, it's like uh, when you make a list of to-dos and you and there's a whole bunch of other things you ended up doing instead because they really did end up taking priority and needed to take priority. And then you, so you add them to the list and you cross them off. 
it kind of has that feel about it. You take what you actually did, what happened organically and naturally, and then write down what you see your kids learning from it. I'm just going to give a brief, really simple example that I shared in the last episode. So baby has a blowout and it was everywhere. One got the diaper and wipes, the other ran to get an outfit. Okay, right there. Simple, simple, simple. What are they learning there? Oh, they were learning teamwork, following directions, learning to care for the weak and vulnerable. And so instead of us seeing these um, life situations as obstacles to our kids' education, we need to see them as learning opportunities that are happening naturally. Notice them, embrace them, acknowledge them, and you will your heart will settle down more into the fact that education is happening even in a house full of littles. Education does not have to be formal to count. That is a huge misconception. In fact, the opposite is true. Kids learn more and in multiple ways from the most natural situations and experiences. So as I wrote in my journal more and more, um, what my kids were actually, I learned that my kids were actually learning all the time and could teach themselves a ton on their own. So my job was to create an environment where this was encouraged and acknowledged, which meant I had to let go of some things. Things like what I mentioned earlier, requiring formal history and science in the early years. That was a sacrifice that I had to consciously make in order to walk out what I felt like God was calling us to do. And God honored it. He honored it I can't even tell you, he multiplied those efforts. So I hope that this has been uh, calming to your spirit, that's given you ideas and creativity, but mainly just peace, that God has knit your family together. And it's you just need to take it and facilitate um, what God is orchestrating for your family. No two families are gonna do this the same and things will change from day to day. You have to be flexible. You have to have eyes to see the ways your children are learning from where you are right now. And in my over 27 years of homeschooling, we have never once had a perfect, quote unquote, homeschooling day. But I'll never forget what a wise older homeschooling mom told me. If you never teach your kids anything, but keep them out of the public school, they will still be better off. I reminded that myself of that on my worst days. And you know what? She was absolutely right. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that even when we don't think we are teaching our kids, we are teaching our kids. We are modeling things. We are saying, oh, not this way, this way. Lord, we're teaching our kids all the time. And I pray that you would just make these moms aware of the blessing of the season that they are in right now and all the ways that you are blessing their children's education through where they are right now in this season. I ask that you would bring peace to their hearts and calm to their spirits, Lord, and that um, you would just bless every mom listening and um, the households that they represent. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 